buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I am very excited to have my good friend Leslie Bennett on today. This is her second time on the show. She's the founder over at Inside Sales Team Builder. Leslie is a three times head of sales and founder of Sales Team Builder. She's passionate about transforming sales into an inclusive, respected profession. Leslie, welcome to the show. Nice to see you again, my friend. Yeah, every we have to do a podcast to catch up, basically. I mean, we're it both works. Super busy. If, if this is where we need to come to be face to face, I'll I'll do it. Yeah. Plus, it's a it's a new show, new title. Yeah. So it's, yeah, and and a lot's changed. I mean, I love it. Yeah, I think we just have to put it like on a quarterly frequency. I'm in. I'm in. In between now and then, I can just be in Slack, being like, "What's calling up to today?" So a lot has changed from you, but uh, since we had you on last time, which we're going to dig into, um, we're also going to talk about the book and things like that. Uh, But before we get into this, just give us a little bit of your sales stories for people who maybe missed the first episode. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned three-time head of sales. I've spent 15 years in B2B sales, uh, primarily uh, enterprise selling, um, primarily to the C-suite The last four years actually selling directly to chief procurement officers, which is like a whole new layer, right? Like procurement and C-suite and and enterprise selling. Um, But I've had the privilege of of, uh, closing pretty much every big uh, fortune logo that is out there. And now I'm a full-time founder. Boom. All right. So I'm curious, why not just take another sales leadership role? Yeah, I really, really thought about it, like so much so that I interviewed uh, a little bit last year. And, you know, it's so it's so funny. Uh, one of my mentors, he owns his own company and he's been for years trying to convince me to just do sales team builder full time because I, I started the company back in 2018. But like, like, frankly, I didn't really know what I was doing or going to do with it. Um, and it evolved and evolved and started really becoming a source of revenue. And he was like, this is your calling. Just do it. And I was like, no, I don't think so. 
like I like having a 401k and like healthcare. And I think more importantly, I like being on a team. Like I'm that person that likes like the cheesy sales kickoffs and like the T I am that person. Mm. Uh, don't judge me too harshly. And, um, so I, I knew I wanted to leave my current job cause I'd done everything that I, I'd done there. Um, but I was not at, at, you know, this time last year, really about 14 months ago, um, ready to do sales team builder full time. Um, so I decided to apply for some other, you know, like VP head of sales roles. Um, I like to get my hands in the clay. So it was predominantly like series A, series B. And it was a terrible experience, like such a terrible experience, Colin, that um, after like five months of interviewing, I kind of broke down and was wondering if I even wanted to stay in B&B sales, B2B sales. Like, do I like, do I even like it here? And, And why am I trying so hard to stay in a space that like so clearly does not want me, does not want women. Um, that's how bad, that's how bad the okay, conversations and so interviews We're going like. to have to go, we're going to have to peel it back just a little bit here. Um, so you said it was a horrible, horrible experience. Yeah. Can you give me a little more context? Yeah. So obviously not every conversation was horrible. I came across some founders doing some, super cool stuff. Um, some folks that I continue to, to stay in touch with, um, and like some folks that have even hired me now for, so it wasn't, it wasn't all bad, but, Mm -hmm. um, the reality of, uh, getting a job as a, you know, I had a sales at a, a series, a series B means that the probability that you are going to be talking to a man is, 90 plus percent. Like it's an extraordinarily male dominated space. Um, and there was like a pretty overt amount of sexism. Like I can give you some really specific examples. I, uh, I was made an offer for a company And it was like, okay, like last, you know, last step, we're just going to have you, you, you know, talk to HR to like negotiate the offer. Mm. And I was like, okay, great. Um, And so I get on the phone with HR and they're like, oh, actually, um, we don't, uh, we don't have like the authority to, to be an employer in Illinois. So we thought we would just hire you as a 1099 instead. As a sales leader? And I was like, well, no, like for a variety of reasons that doesn't work for me. But I think most shockingly, like this was a three month process and this is the first time ever this has been mentioned. Yeah, I- I'm going to call the like, you know, the the head of the person that would have been my direct re- like uh, my direct boss. Because like some of this like maybe there's a, it was so weird that I was like, there has to be a miscommunication. Yeah. And I call him and he says to me, um. I didn't think it would be that big of a deal for you to start as a 1099. It's not like you have children, so you don't need the benefits. Oof. That's harsh. What? What? Um, And it wasn't just that. Like another uh, another guy, uh, another founder making me an offer. um, And he 
uh, was like, okay, so let, like, let me put this in writing so you can have a think about it. And right before Mm -hmm. we hung up the phone, he said, and don't worry, there won't be any of that Andrew Cuomo bullshit here. So simultaneously was able to make a joke about sexual harassment and a political joke at once. Uh, <laughs> so there were those like mo- like moments of like a- extremely like overt, just like what what were you thinking? Like why yeah. would you make a joke about like me not needing benefits because I don't have children or a joke about sexual harassment? Like what were you thinking? Um, But like, interestingly, a lot of it was, I think, like much more subtle than that. Um, Like a lot of like really questioning my achievements. And I obviously have like a huge sales community. And so I talked to them about what their process is like. and, And most of my peers are men and they're like, no, I've never been asked questions like that. Or no, I've no, I've never had a process like that. Just like what? That's what your that's what your process um is like. And why do you think that why do you think that there is this let's just call it this problem of lack of women in sales leadership roles? Like why is there sort of this like why why do you think these people are feeling that they need to, you know, um because you're a woman, yeah, like complicate the process to qualify you for the role. Yeah. Frankly, I think a ton of it is subconscious. Like, I don't think there's just this like huge group of like overtly sexist founders out there. I think a lot of it is just like what has been beaten into our minds by society. Um, and like a great example is that in performance reviews, women are given feedback on their personality 76% of the time. Men are given feedback on their personality 2% of the time. Wow. And so you see how that could jump over into an interview process, right? Like yeah. I was I was talking to one company and they asked me the coaching methodology um, that I use and I explained what I use. And they were like, that that is wrong. That wouldn't work. Like that's way too emotional. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it has worked for 15 years of me being an elite performer running elite teams, but good talk. Um, if you want so, a subpar team, we can change the process if you right, like. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I think part of it is just like, it, it's not only reflective of sales, it's just reflective of, of like society. Yeah. I think part of it is that there, there are not a lot of women in the decision-making process in sales leaderships, in VCs, like in, you know, in, in startups. Um, And there's some great research around how, when there are more women in leadership, women, in the organization are viewed as more competent, promoted more often, like given more responsibility. Um, So I I think like a, a tremendous amount of it is, subconscious um which doesn't make it okay like i think it's it's their responsibility to still like sit with themselves and understand how they can be more inclusive um and and try to shed some of of those kind of subconscious pieces um but yeah it it was like it was like so i mean most of these people are not even aware that it's an issue like they're doing things like this yeah like not even thinking that, you know, a comment like that, that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think that they realize 
how how it's received. Like, why would I ever go work for somebody that playfully made fun of sexual harassment, particularly knowing, knowing because we had just gotten out of a process that I had to leave a job after a six month stint as the result of like aggressive sexual harassment and verbal abuse. So like knowing that he still thought it was okay to make like a playful joke wow. like why would i ever want to work with you or why but would i ever want to work with you if that's you not even <laughs> okay so then in that case though i mean he's a little bit more aware i don't know that that is so subconscious yeah i yeah i mean i didn't actually want to work there anyways i wanted the offer so i could use it to get a good yeah. counter on another offer that was coming in at the yeah. same time. So that one was slightly less devastating in that I didn't actually feel like I lost something. I was like, you're just a bad person. But like, here's what really gets me is that the like the narrative then, so I share these stories on TikTok and people are like, well, it, at least they showed you who, who they were now. And I'm like, right, but... <laughs> Still doesn't but, make it right. I mean, it is a good, it is a good point. Like it is, it is a good point because but they could also if just you find that out later, shit. You, yeah, it doesn't make it any more right or less wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think you could appreciate like, I'm glad, you know, dodge a bullet there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do ask a lot of questions in my interviewing process, like, what is the makeup of your board? Are there women on it? Are there people of color on it? What is what is your diversity plan? So I try to weed a lot of those people out. And I mean, the reality is that like an interview process is like a sales process, like disqualifying yeah. is as an important as qualifying. Um, but I think like very interestingly, part like those were some big glaring, just like, sh- like shake my head p- moments. Uh, but part of the interviewing process that was so, so hard was that all of the conversations with the exception of a few that I was having were with men and having to explain over and over and over again that I left a job due to sexual harassment. And instead of them being like, I'm sorry that was done to you, moving on to the next question, there being a sense of maybe them like not believing me or feeling like Mm. they were entitled to more information about that trauma than they were. So it was like really like to to your vein of like, do people even realize how hurtful some of the things that they are doing are? Like the amount of people that were like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, really. I mean, first of all, number one, like it's probably not easy to even just Mm -mm. share that. And then for somebody to like question it makes it even more painful or uncomfortable. Um, wow. I mean, how can, I didn't know that we were going to go here today, but <laughs> here we are. So deep. we're going to, we're going to stay here and see where it goes. This is what happens know. when you riff. <laughs> yeah. If I would have sent you questions in advance about what we were going to talk about today, we wouldn't have arrived here. We would not have gone here. Um, Okay, so let's give some people the benefit of the doubt that are like just not aware subconsciously. Well, how do we start to keep some of those people more accountable? Like, you know, so that I mean, I know it's it's it's, it's not big, an easy task. It's a big question. But, so I think there are like people are on the spectrum, right? And so you have the people that are like, I just can't believe that still happens. And I'm like, can't you? 
Have you never spoken to a woman? So I think there are some like really well-intentioned people that are like the, like the group of people that are, are generally like, you're, you're so close. Like you're so, you're so close. Um, and I think for that group of people, it's like, realize that like, because, and, and not to say that I don't have many, many layers of privilege, right. But like realize because of that specific layer of privilege of being a man, that there's yeah. a whole piece of the world that you're never going to experience and like maybe do some reading on like stories of, of women that have had those experiences and what it's like, or maybe take it upon yourself to do some training, like go through the Salesforce DEI trailhead. Like, I don't know, but like take, take those opportunities to take action. Like if you are somebody that calls yourself an ally or is is a founder that's working to build a diverse organization or at least that's like your narrative right like diversity is important to me i want a diverse organization like ask yourself what actions you're taking besides just saying like yeah we should have more women in sales or yeah i want to build a diverse organization so i feel like at that point like that's the group of people that are like so close so close they have the good intentions and it's just like one one more push from like like saying it to like taking action and becoming an advocate. Um, and they can like, they can be the early adopter. Not that there aren't amazing like male advocates already. Uh, but you know, like you, like you posted for us for Hills for Dills. All I had to do was pop a note in your inbox and be like, yeah, I'd love to amplify the voices of women and not put myself at the center of it. So it's like, how can people find more of those actions to take? And, and, you know, and I think what's, this is helpful, right? So take some action, take some initiative to try to understand, you know, uh, the other perspective, you know? Um, but even then you still don't really get it. Right. Cause I have taken some action to try to understand and talk to lots of women as well. Um, and I still don't get it. Like I'll never really fully understand what it's like. But just like I'll never understand what it's like to be a person of color in sales or, or like even more marginalized, like a woman of color in sales. Like I can empathize due to my, you know, like one layer of otherness. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that's the call to action, like do the work to, to, to at least build that empathy muscle and know that you'll never like understand, but what can you do to, to empathize enough that you're more aware of how your actions could be hurtful or could be perceived negatively by people that are kind of, you know, marginalized in that community. Right. And if you don't take that initiative, um, then you're going to be like the rest of the other assholes walking around doing stuff subconsciously with, with maybe good intentions. Right. Like I get it wrong. I'm not perfect. Like I still make mistakes or say stuff that's hurt. Like, it's not like you read one book and suddenly you're just like, Oh, I'm perfect. Um, but I, like I, it's, I was talking to Scott Sambucci. I don't know if you know him, but I was talking to Scott Sambucci and he was talking, um, about how, well, I I have a diverse organization, but you know, I have not really done anything to do that. And I was like, that's bullshit, Scott, you like how we met was that you asked another female that you hired to work for you to introduce you to other women that you could platform. And on our very first Coffee Connect, you asked me to introduce you to other women of color that you could platform or hire. 
And he was like, yeah. well, yeah, but like, that's, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, yeah, like, oh my God, it matters so much. Like it, it, that those simple actions matter. So, so, so. And those simple much. actions don't take a lot of time or extra effort. It's just that, like you said, just that level of awareness to take some different actions. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's this, like people can tell if you're trying. And then I think if people can tell you're trying that like, there's, there's a lot of understanding that's built in. Like you're coming from a place of intention. You're coming from a place of curiosity. And like, if you don't always get it right, then like, I think there's just like a, it's this like two way of understanding that is kind of created. Yeah. All right. This was, this was great. Uh, We're going to shift gears just a little bit (laughs) because this kind of led us into why you didn't take another sales leader. I mean, that was the original question that took us down this, this path (laughs) from like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Now I get it. (laughs) I totally get it now. Um, Because entrepreneurship is hard, you know, it's uh, I mean, you've accomplished a lot as a sales leader. You could have probably easily got another sales leadership job if you really wanted it and you decided not to. So what has that transition been like? And let's talk a little bit about, you know, the work that you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing. Um, and so the very end of the story in like two sentences is I got an insane job offer of like 460K reporting directly to the CEO, full ownership over the commercial, like everything I thought I wanted. But that, Mm. you know, that like five months experience of interviewing gave me so much time to sit with myself and ask some like really tough questions about why I was working so hard to work for somebody else and not following my passion and my purpose and doing it for myself. That when that job offer came in, I... Like I was excited about the money, obviously. I'm not crazy. That's like a life-changing amount of money. But that was kind of it. I was like, oh no. Oh no, I can't ignore my intuition any longer. Like Mm. (laughs) I have to go all in. Um, So yeah, so that's where I'm at. Um, It did, it was really scary. Like it it was really scary. It was hard to turn down the money. It was 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 scary to turn turn down the money. Um, It was like, it yeah, it was really scary to turn down the money, particularly because like the the first question is people are like, are you sure? I'm like, no, I'm not sure, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, I mean, it's scary to leave like, you know, the gilded cage of corporate America. Like there, there are a lot of things that are easier or nicer. Um, I, I think that, uh, of being in corporate America, but it was like, it was for me, Colin, this moment where I knew that it absolutely was my, like my purpose. I needed to follow that journey. And I also knew that if I didn't do it now, if I was able to talk myself out of it now in this moment where my path was so clear, I would always find excuses and reasons to talk myself out of it. Um, so I was, was in like January. Now, it was like now or never. Sorry. It was like now or never, basically. Now or never. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so we're like a few months in and it's freaking amazing. I'm living my best life. 
Um, all of my clients that I carried into the new year have renewed with me. They were like, no, we wanted bigger gigs with you. You just didn't have the capacity. Mm. Um, I'm onboarding new clients. I'm getting these amazing referrals and getting to expand my network. And, um, I, like, I think the, which is all great. And I think expected outcomes, right? Like, Oh, the, the, you know, positive stuff. Um, interestingly, my absolute favorite part and, and, like, I think surprising piece of the transition has been how much it's meant to me to own my own time for the first time in my life. Yeah. Like it's wild. It's, <laughs> and it's like, it's kind of difficult, not difficult in like a, I would have it any other way, but it's, it's been difficult to let go of. I think a lot of those narratives of like, be busy for busy's sake, or if you're not mm. constantly doing something, you're lazy. Like there's, a, I have a lot of guilt that I found that's associated with like transitioning to this new way of owning my time. That's actually like healthier and more intentional and more mindful, which is yeah, like we- weird, right? So, what are some things you get to do that you didn't get to use, that um, you didn't, weren't able to do before? Yeah, so I don't book any external calls on Monday or Friday. It's just for deep work and focus time. Monday and Friday. That's bold. (laughs) It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, And I get so much more done. Like, I mean, not shockingly, right? Because I'm not trying to like do all my focused work in an hour in between two other meetings while I'm also eating lunch. Like I can just really go all the way in um, and focus. And I don't set external calls before 10. So every single morning I start my morning with a meditation uh, or maybe some like journaling or a workout or I just like sit and read for a little while. So my mornings really become just like this, like I really get a center every day, which is really like I just have a lot more time to think. But because I have more time to think when I take action, I get things done more, more effectively. Yeah. Um, and I think like more meaningful. I People are it. listening like, wait, that's not what entrepreneurship is supposed to be like. To- <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I have this, I have this privilege of being like, is that really important? Should I actually be spending time on that? Whereas before I was so busy, I don't think I would have questioned it. I would have just tried to like squeeze it in between yeah. my 5 p.m. meeting and going to the gym or you like on a Sunday or whatever it is. And um, it's nice. I'm also a person that, that works seven days a week. And so I think like being able to figure out, to, like being able to work exactly when my brain wants me to work is mm-hmm. a pretty tremendous privilege. And that doesn't mean that I don't ever take days off, but... Like a great example is that the cheap theater seats are the Wednesday matinee at 2 p.m. And I love going to the theater. So Mm. I have stuff to do. No problem. I can just like spread it out a little bit on Saturday, a little bit of Sunday and go to the theater on Wednesday. 
Yeah, it's, it's the, the main thing is you got to find what works for you, right? There's people that are like, oh, you know, entrepreneurship is supposed to be this hustle and grind and work these crazy hours. And no, it doesn't have to be. And then there's the people that are like, oh, don't ever work on the weekends, right? And it's like, that's what works for you mm-hmm. is giving yourself that time on Monday and Friday to do deep work. Um, the flexibility to not start any meetings till a certain time so that you can take care of you in the morning um, and then be able to, you know, take time to, you know, go to the theater. Um, but for you getting all of that is worth, you know, putting in some hours on the weekends to get things done. 100%. And I think like actually maybe the first thing that we ever talked about when we were very first introduced was the definition of like hustle culture and the difference between hard work and that like hustle culture. And, you know, I think on the, like the first pod, I was like, at the time, for, I'm sure everybody knows it was called yeah. sales hustle, right? Sales hustle. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why well, don't, well, I don't know, sales hustle. And you were like, okay, let's talk. Oh about yeah. It. I used to get lots like, of We're shit probably on the same page and we were on the same page. Yeah. So it's like, we're, we're both huge advocates of hard work and like, yeah. like, like doing what it takes to be successful. And at some points in your career, that might be you know, more than 40 hours a week. It might be yeah. weekends, it might be nights, but there's a big difference between figuring out how and when to work that serves you and like sort of your your bigger set of goals and that hustle culture, which shames people who don't wake up at 3 a.m. to grind. <laughs> and somehow yeah. there's a narrative that like, if you if you don't buy into that hustle culture, if you're not an early riser, you don't, work on weekends that you aren't deserving of success. And that's a, that's a pass. Then it's not entrepreneurship. It's a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that could be like an Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I mean, this is awesome. I'm, I'm so, are you so glad that you didn't take that offer? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Because I know exactly what my life would look like right now. And it totally surely different. wouldn't involve not taking calls until 10 a.m. or having time for focus work. Definitely not going to the theater at two. It would not. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, it probably would involve me like having a panic attack here and there and uh, like maybe crying. Make sure you bit. schedule those in. Yeah, got to schedule, got to schedule in those, those moments where you just cry alone in the corner for a little bit before your next, for your next call. In between shoving lunch. Just, down. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So just tell me like high level, what the work is that you do with folks like your clients, what problems do they have? Yeah. What type of work are you doing? Yeah. With yeah, them? yeah. Uh, so mostly, which, Honestly, the interview process was a great focus group for this. Uh, Mostly I'm serving early stage founders that are like six to 12 months out from hiring their head of sales, their VP of sales for whatever reason. Maybe they're building their team, Mm -hmm. waiting for a round of funding, whatever reason. Um, But it's like I found a time in the company where founders need to take some stuff off their plate, start transitioning away from founder led sales. But it's also a time where their sales team like really can't afford to get it wrong because they're leveling up for their what's next. Mm. Um, so I come in and fill a gap. And for folks that don't have that level of need, I also have a badass interactive coaching workshop series that people rave about, not just me, other people. Um, that's that's like, it's really, really fun. Um, it's really interactive. I love coaching. I love like just working with reps and kind of getting my hands in the clay there. So that brings me a lot of joy. 
Awesome. And where can people find out about all this? Well, find me on LinkedIn always or on TikTok at sales, TikTok tips. Oh my God. I can't even say my own handle. I really should have gained this one out before I launched the channel before ever. I know. I remember last time you came on, you, I think you had that same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it's a, it's weird and to say. You, it's a <laughs> but it was too late. You already. Tips. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drop it in the notes. You'll get it's it. You'll get it in me. there. Um, and I also just launched like a proper website, like a proper business website, which makes me feel very special and very fancy, uh, which is inside sales team builder. Com. All right. We will drop sales tips talk <laughs> in there and the website and your LinkedIn and all that stuff. Thank you so much for this conversation. Hopefully this brings a little bit of awareness for maybe some people that are listening that have been like, oh, I didn't know maybe some of these things and, you know, motivates them to maybe take some action so they're not walking around like, another subconscious asshole. Um, and we'll drop all the links there in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And I'm always listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm and drop me a voice DM and I will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.